0: Good morning. Uh, my name is, is Matt Sawada. I have the privilege of being one of the, the pastors here on staff. And once again, it truly is an honor to open God's word with you today. Uh, students, kiddos, welcome. We are glad that you are here and worshiping with us today. It is it's fun to be able to do this as a family and so we are, we're glad, glad that you're here. Uh, I want to catch you up to speed, kids, because we've been in a, this sermon series for the last 10 weeks. Right? This, is, this is something that we've been, we've been stepping through. It's a sermon series called What's Your Story? And we spent the, the first couple weeks looking at uh, the life of Jesus as a human. And he has a story to tell. He experienced uh, life. And we can connect with him, and more importantly, he can connect with us because of his humanity. And, and then we took one week, and we looked at the disciples, and we saw how their story and their experiences were, were very real just as well. I remember that was Tyler Morris, and he challenged us to not live by the acts standard, that we shouldn't pretend and perform that we are better off than we really are. And we've spent the last four weeks, this will be week five, uh, interviewing LEFCers, basically hearing their story and how God has used situations and circumstances in their lives essentially to glorify him. But we, we all have these stories You do, I do, everyone sitting in this room has a story. And no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you you have experienced or are experiencing, your story is significant. Let me say that again. Your story is significant. Our story ultimately is not about us. It's about a loving God who pursued and softened a heart (laughs) and changed lives. And so our story is significant, not because of the the seriousness or the lack of of anything. Our story is significant because of him. (laughs) You know, no matter what you have or no matter what you are going through, if you know Jesus... Psalm 18:19 reminds us that he brought me out into a spacious place and he rescued me because he delighted in me. So let me play that out a second. No matter what you have been through or are going through or no matter what you haven't been through your heavenly father delights in you because of his son, Jesus Christ. And I love that. And I've benefited from these last few weeks in this sermon series for several reasons. But one reason in particular is it's reminded me that we have so much hope. There's so much hope. That no matter if you're struggling with doubt and anxiety, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're in a relationship that's in a rough spot, Because of Jesus, we have hope. And it wasn't because these four or five people were awesome, they are awesome, but it's because of an awesome God that they're able to then testify to the hope that they have in Jesus. And so, as Melissa prayed, these last few weeks for some of us have been really intense. You think about internationally, there's been chaos in Europe. You think about nationally, we've seen on the news there have been a number of national tragedies that have happened. Just within this body in the last couple of weeks, there have been car accidents, there have been funerals, there's been disease and sickness and death. Within... Within this body, there's also the flip side. There's been graduations. There's been weddings. There's been births and adoptions. And so in just a few weeks, our stories and our experiences have been changed. Some really significantly. And others, maybe not so significant. But what I'd like to do, would you just pray with me as we begin this sermon? I'd like to give thanks to the author of our stories this morning before we we jump in. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for being the author of our stories. Not only the author, but the one we can turn to despite the circumstance. Father, this morning I pray for the, the families nationally that have experienced Incredible pain and loss these last few weeks. Father, please meet them where they're at this morning. Father, I pray this morning for the families who've experienced great joy these last weeks. Please meet them where they're at this morning. Father, we know that you are the God of all comfort who does just that, who comforts us. And we thank you for writing our stories. Father, you're the main character in these stories. We're just bystanders who are pointing people to you. And and God, forgive us for the moments where we try to take the credit and attention from you as the main character. Father, you're worthy of our worship this morning. We're thankful that we commit these next few moments to you, desiring for you to get the glory that you deserve. And we pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. Well, have you ever been ashamed of your story? You guys ever felt shame? Maybe you're ashamed for what you've done. Maybe there's shame. Some of you are sitting in the room like, "Yeah, I've done something, I've never told them that. I don't think I ever will. Some of you might have felt shame for maybe not experiencing that significant thing. Some of you are, are sitting here this morning and and this is Matt. Uh, some of you grew up thinking that your story isn't significant and it's not a story worthy of being shared because I don't have that big thing that God did. And so... It's tempting, really tempting to think that my story doesn't matter. It's not significant to be shared. Maybe you've been faithfully serving him. Maybe you've been attending LAFC for 30 years. And you're still sitting in that same place. So I guess we've changed the rooms, right? are not still in the same place 30 years ago. But maybe, you know, you're still sitting in that same place today. Well, can I speak to you for just a moment? Can I say, praise God? Praise God that you haven't had to experience the pain of some of these significant circumstances. Praise God that, that your story has allowed you to know him from such a young age. Praise God that is, a, that is a blessing and that is a story worthy of sharing because, again, our re, the reality is, is our stories aren't about us and your story's not about you. It's about a loving God who softened your heart at His timing. And we can give Him the glory because He deserves it. And so, God's delighted in you, no more or no less because of what you've experienced or the circumstances you're going through. He delights in you, not because of you, but because of his son, Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. (laughs) Let's interact here a little bit today. So I'm going to read here Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And uh, this verse says, Uh, is probably something you've heard before. Have anyone heard, have you read this verse before or heard this verse? Proverbs 3, uh, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. Would you just read that verse with me? Kids, I wanna hear your voices. Here we go. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Amen, thank you. I love some interaction there. Uh, the, the reality is, is that most of us live the opposite of this verse. Ouch. Let me just poke you for a minute. Uh, uh, most of us live the inverse, the flip side of it. And so many of us, grew up in church, but what we live is we trust not in the Lord, and we lean on our own understanding. You see what I did there? I shifted the knot. Instead of trusting in the Lord and leaning not on my understanding, I trust not in the Lord, and I lean on what I do and what I think. And that's probably familiar for many of us in this room, We've been in a church for a long time, we are coasting and we are leaning on what we think is comfortable. And it's a lot easier to do that. It's a lot easier to trust in and lean on myself than it is to submit to and trust in the Lord. I kind of feel like I'm walking out on a plank and trusting that piece of wood to hold me up. And so this morning, We're about to hear a story from an lafc 'er who needed to trust in Jesus. And over time, her understanding grew. Her appreciation of Jesus matured, changing her life pretty significantly. This morning, I'd like to to welcome up. This is someone near and dear to my heart. Come on up here, sweetie. Uh, This morning, we get to hear a testimony from one of my favorite people at LAFC. No offense to you. She is my favorite person at LAFC. This is my wife, Robin Sawada, so thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah. She deserves the applause. She puts up with me day in and day out. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know why you amen to that, Bruce. <laughs> that that, that kind of hurts. Because he knows. It kind of hurts in here. Um, well, Robin, thank you for joining us. Thanks for being willing to, uh, to be up here with me. Um, Let's give our friends here a chance just to get to know you a little bit better, Robin. Uh, will you tell them a little bit about Robin growing up? Kind of set the scene. Where'd you grow up? Tell me a little bit. About, a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and I say y'all, so that's where that comes from. You'll probably hear that from a few the times. south. It's yeah. y'all. <laughs> I have two precious parents and a ridiculously amazing sister who is. Younger than me, but it has always been way, way taller than me. True story. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Um, we grew up, or I grew up going to church every Sunday. Um, our church was a little bit more formal than LEFC. I always sat in the service with my parents behaving perfectly. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> not even a little. My mom always sat in between my sister and I. <laughs> to this day, we are still not allowed to sit together in church. True? Facts. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but church was such a big part of our lives.
0: That's awesome. So uh, Robin Corbett, that's her maiden name, Corbett. uh, Think of, would you please just think of Robin Corbett as an elementary schooler? I bet she was super cute. I didn't know her then, Mm -hmm. Uh, like as a third grader. Uh, Robin, what did you like to do?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I didn't like to do. I did not like to talk in front of people. <laughs> my face would turn really red, my hands would shake, um, I might even cry, uh, I did tissues not. tissues all good. Yes, we're good, good, we're good. But I was very, very shy. But I loved gymnastics. I was always moving. As a child, I would tumble and flip and jump off any surface I could, uh, which often resulted in me getting hurt. So that was usually <laughs> happening. Um, I had several cats, and I had a pet duck named Sam the Duck.
0: So it's not just Sam. Nope. No. It's Tham, Sam. Tham the Sam duck. the Duck. Sam <laughs> the Duck. Mm-hmm. One thing about Sam that you, you need to know: Sam loved bubble gum. Yes, right. Pink,
1: carefree bubble gum. Kids do not try this Don't at try home. Don't try that at home <laughs> if you have a pet <laughs> duck. But for
0: some reason, they figured out that Sam that yeah. loved gum, right? Yeah. Um, so, you grew up with some cats, with Sam the duck. You were always moving, which probably meant church uh, was an interesting experience for you. Yes. Uh, what was your take on church growing up?
1: So like I said, I don't remember, I mean, I always was at church and I don't remember a time that I didn't know about God and I didn't know about Jesus. Um, but honestly, I don't remember seeing an emphasis placed on having a relationship with him. It was more on duty and doing good and being good. And um, it felt more like rules and regulations than a relationship. And I don't know how much of that was my lack of awareness and understanding or how much of that was just the culture that I was in. Um, But I don't, also, I don't remember seeing people exposing weakness. Weakness was bad and, So people didn't admit to their failures and didn't admit to their wrongs or discuss their neediness. Everybody just performed good. So honestly, I grew up, even in the church, thinking weakness or failures, it was bad. And um, when my weakness was exposed or when my failure came up... There's no weakness. Let me tell you there might be a little. Um, When I experienced what I thought was failure, I felt like I disappointed people and I definitely felt like I was constantly disappointing God.
0: I have a feeling that that reality resonates with almost every one of us in this room. None of us like to expose that weakness and none of us like to talk about our failures. Mm -hmm. That's just part of who we are. And so, I think you just resonated with me. I think you just described Lancaster County to a T. And uh, as you attended church a lot, uh, what was actually going on under the surface in Robin's heart those days?
1: Well, um, y'all, y'all, yeah. there was an emphasis, obviously, on being good and looking good. And I knew Which that. Which you
0: succeeded in. Yes. Yeah, thanks. Thank <laughs> you.
1: Thank you, dear. Um, I knew that Jesus had to die for my sins, but I thought, what a lucky guy. He doesn't have to suffer much on my behalf because I'm not that bad. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Um, You know, in the story of the prodigal son, I was the elder brother. I was doing it right, and I didn't see my need. And I was the Pharisee that Jesus so often talks about. Um, In high school, I finally started to realize that God desired something more for me than my performance. He wanted a relationship with me. Um, John 17, three says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I started to realize by the grace of God that eternal life was more than just dying and going to heaven. It's more than just about being good, and it's more than just about being saved from hell. This eternal life that Jesus offered can be lived out today in a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Um, So... (laughs) I became committed to that relationship. I wanted to be a good Christian. And so I read the Bible, I had my quiet times, I had my special little prayer journal. I would go to early morning Bible studies before school. Um, I would serve and help others in all the ways that I could. While my relationship with Jesus changed, I was still trying to earn his approval every day, like relating with him on an everyday basis by being good.
0: You know, I I can attest, her resume was pretty outstanding, right? Right. She had done the right things. Um, But from what you just said, you didn't do them for the right reasons. And so there was still an emphasis on earning approval, earning that delight, on pleasing him. Uh, What did did that look like? Mm Mm-hmm. So I knew that I wasn't
1: saved by my own righteousness, that I needed Jesus. I needed his sacrifice on my behalf. But I think I tried to please God based on my performance, again, in the everyday, Like I thought that my righteousness every day would earn me good favor before him. Maybe he'd be more likely to answer my prayers, to bless me. He wouldn't be disappointed in me. Um. During this time, I felt like I was on this giant swing. So I would, when I would do really good, I would be prideful and look how good, look at this. Look at what I did, you guys, this is so good. And then the minute any weakness would come out, I would swing over to this shame, this shame side. And I would, how could I do that? Um, So when I was successful, there was pride. And when I failed, there was shame. And even though I tried to be good, I tried so hard, I just couldn't seem to shake it. I had the sin problem and I couldn't get rid of it. Um, It was evident that my efforts weren't enough. It wasn't gonna fix it. And not only that, but as I was growing, it almost felt like my sin problem was growing. It wasn't really. Um, But my awareness to my sin problem, like I became more and more aware of what sin really was. And honestly, some of that was really gross. Um, for example, luckily, we don't have too much time, so I won't tell you too many examples. But one example, um, I can get really angry, and I have a pretty nasty uh, mean streak. And growing up, I was just awful to my younger sister, who's way taller than me. And I would provoke her, and I would hurt her. I would say things, and I would hit her. I was, I was mean. Um, in our marriage. Matt has been the recipient, no events, um, of this side of me the most. He has seen this part of me. And any time that this yucky, anger, mean streak would come out, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with my sin. And I I would immediately swing over to that shame. And I would try to manage my sin on my own. Okay, I need to fix this. This looks really bad. This weakness is coming out. So I try harder. Maybe I'd hide it. Lot. I didn't do that, but I don't know what you're talking about, where I just try to keep things hidden. I didn't want anyone to see it. I would blame other people for my sin. Often it's <laughs> Um If you hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have gotten angry. Maybe I would try to do better in other areas in my life to make up for it. Or I'd compare myself to others. Well, at least I didn't do that. It's not that bad. But all this, this was just managing my sin. It wasn't taking care of what was really going on in my heart. And honestly, this is exhausting. Um, I was never really sure if, like, this pendulum, right? Like, am I pleasing God? Have I done enough to, to make up for all my failures? Is he, is he disappointed in me?
0: Thank you for sharing that, it's, uh, it's exhausting. I was, I was there with you. We were running this, this uh, swing together, uh, experiencing the pride of doing all the things and the right things, and then the shame and disappointment when there was failure. And Matt's included in this, so there was a lot of failure. <laughs> I was really good at that part. Uh, and so it was, it was an exhausting process, and we had really busy schedules but we were kind of running nowhere, mm-hmm. spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just getting busier and busier and tireder, is that a word, tireder or tireder? And so, so Robin, what changed? Uh, how did, uh, we haven't stepped off of this cycle, unfortunately, mm-hmm. completely, but how do, you, how do you get off this never-ending swing, this treadmill of uh, spiritual works?
1: Well, I, again, by God's grace, I started realizing what a limited view I had of Jesus and the gospel. My, of course, my hope for salvation was Jesus. I needed him to be saved. He was the entryway into my relationship with God. But some, somehow, I got this idea in my head that my hope for everyday living relied on me and my efforts, that it was up to me to get it together together. Colossians 1 verse 23 says continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard and that's exactly what I was doing I was drifting away from my hope in the gospel it became about Jesus and Robin performing rather than just Jesus alone just as I had hoped in what Christ had done for me to save me to bring me to salvation, I was supposed to continue in that hope and never shift away from it. Never putting my hope in myself or my performance, but always in Jesus Christ.
0: I've been uh, pretty privileged to sit front row and to see this happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, it's been awesome. I'm super blessed by God's grace in your life, Robin. And I have, over the years, have been able to see the fruit of the Spirit develop in her and it's not her it's it's him beginning to refine and sanctify her and it's been beautiful and so so thanks for letting me be a part of that uh but what what has this growth looked like uh, how how has this played out in your life yeah well
1: i don't know about you guys but i really thought that growth as a Christian would be me getting it together. Like surely I'm gonna be sinning less, right? Like I'm gonna be doing better. Um, I grew up good, I thought I'd get gooder. (laughs) Um, And as an adult, like why am I still struggling with this? What a good word, gooder,
0: I'm gonna be gooder.
1: Um, But you know, why am I still struggling with some of these same things? And what I began to realize is that I thought that growth was going to be me needing Jesus less. Like somehow I'd outgrow my need for him and what he did for me. When in reality, I started to realize that growth really is needing him more. Um, And that's a good thing. Uh, Growth is having a deeper dependency on him. I always thought, you remember before, growth as my performance, how much I was doing or how much or little I was sinning. That's not gospel growth at all. That's not why the gospel exists for us. It doesn't exist so that we get it together. It, it but it's exists. not about
0: just being a busier Christian. Right. No, 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 Okay. no.
1: No, I love the picture that Paul paints in Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7. It says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I'm gonna read this verse, this passage again, but I'm gonna insert the name Jesus for every pronoun or every instance that it's talking about him. So look at this with me. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Jesus. Rooted in Jesus and built up in Jesus and established in the faith, faith in who? Faith in Jesus. Just as you were taught about Jesus, abounding in thanksgiving for Jesus. Friends, we are never called to move beyond Jesus, but deeper in. Um, Deeper rooted in him, trusting, resting in what he's done on our behalf. And that's what makes us right before God, both for salvation and for right now, every day, knowing that his approval of me has nothing to do with me or my performance, but in the perfect life, death, and resurrection that, that Jesus Christ lived and did on my behalf. It's him and him alone. So rather than needing Jesus less, I would say that I need him more. And I definitely haven't arrived in this. This is something that's going to be continuing until um, the day that I'm with him in glory.
0: So the purpose of these works is not to earn this approval. The purpose of all the things is to behold him, to delight in the one who delights in you. The purpose of this is to know him and to rest in him. I've loved seeing you grow in this. Uh, I'm intrigued by this growth journey though. What did God use to, to teach you Some of these beautiful truths.
1: This is where it's so great. It's not me, it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't figure this out on my own. You know, it was Him stirring in my heart. 1 Corinthians 2 talks about how much the Holy Spirit, how much of a role the Holy Spirit plays in our understanding. It wasn't my understanding. Um, it was his that he gave to me. Remember, I had been leaning on my understanding of what I thought the gospel was. And so, first and foremost, it's the Holy Spirit. And he produces fruit in me that allows me, enables me to love God more and to have faith in him and put my trust and rest there. So first it was his spirit, and then it's his word. Um, Both studying alone and reading his word alone, um, but also with other people, that is such a significant part of my journey. Reading the word became less of a duty and more of an opportunity to see what he's done, all that he's done on my behalf, and recognizing my need, my deep, deep need for him. I can't help but love him more. My affections are stirred for him when I'm in his word um, because I recognize more and more how much he's the answer to my deepest needs and he wants to be the answer. He desires to be that for me. And what's so great is that it's not about me reading the Bible right, but what happens is my confidence in who he is and his character is what is growing. It's not that I've figured it out, but I become more confident in who he is and what he's accomplished and what what he says about me, rather than trusting in my own efforts. God's word um, in John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And his word, along with his spirit, is what he has used in my life to transform me and to make,
0: hopefully, to make me more like him. Um, so, so you're talking about His Spirit and His Word. Mm-hmm. Those are two, two things that that God has used.
1: Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yes.
0: As a matter of fact, <laughs>
1: the other thing, and this is huge, is people. God has been so good to place such sweet friends in my life, um, limping alongside me, showing me how the gospel in real life intersects. This is not a class or a program. Um, You know, I was involved in a lot of Bible studies. I even did a discipleship training program. Um, But I would say real change for me happened outside of church. It it happened in intentional relationships, often met in church, but it was these women um, over years and years, because y'all, I needed a lot of help, okay? Mm -hmm. And so these women would meet with me and love on me and process truth with me, and it wasn't about giving me advice, okay, well, this is a better way to clean your house, or you should use this discipline method for how to raise your children. No, it it was about processing truth and showing me how I can really be confident in who God is and what he's done on my behalf.
0: So I think all of this truth that you've mentioned, mm-hmm. my heart's kind of saying, amen, right? Mm-hmm. It's screaming, amen. Right, I'm not gonna so scream for you. No. Uh, we're not. we're not, <laughs> <Okay>. yet. <yeah>, almost, <laughs> almost, we're not done. Like your hands aren't even shaking, oh, you're, doing, you're doing great. <laughs> doing great. Um, if you haven't noticed, my wife is a pretty intentional person She's intentional with how she uses her time, and she's intentional with how she uses her relationships. Um, so all, but all of this so far is kind of theory, right? It's, it's true, 30,000 feet up in the air. Um, what does it look like practically? So for you personally, Robin, what, is, what does it look like to, uh, what are some intentional habits that you've put in place um, to tomorrow do this?
1: So one of the first things, just the need to preach truth and preach the gospel to myself daily. The truth leaks, y'all. So I need to rehearse what Christ has done on my behalf over and over again. Um, It leaks out and I forget. So I need to recognize my need. I need to repent and believe and repeat. And when I fail or when I sin, when my anger bubbles up, that mean street comes out of me, I need to stop managing my sin on my own. Remember, my natural tendency is to defend or to justify my sin. Um, But that's not trusting in the cross. Um, I also love to blame some people in my life. (laughs) And I (laughs) usually deserve it. (laughs) No, no. No, but my sin, the, the gospel frees me to call it what it is. And so maybe a sign of growth isn't that I'm just necessarily sinning less, but maybe I'm repenting and believing a little faster. Maybe I'm justifying and excusing my sin a little less. Um, and you know, I still have a desire for Christ to be formed in me, to become more like him and less like me, but this isn't out of a place to, to please him or try to win his approval. Uh, rather, I desire this because I want to better image him to the world um, and to my family. Um, so I want to become more like him.
0: So as I mentioned earlier, Robs, you're an intentional person. Um, These truths have affected you personally, Mm -hmm. but they've also changed. I don't think that truth in Christ can change us as an individual without it affecting the way we relate to those around us. And so that has an effect, kind of cause an effect in a sense. And so... How, how has understanding these gospel truths affected the relationships, let's just say specifically in our household?
1: Okay. So just as how I dealt with my sin needed to change, how I dealt with other people's sin needed to change. And so this, I just wanna start by saying, this is a huge, huge area I still need to grow. No amens from any suadis, please. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So in our home, I want my husband and my kids to... Be free to be the sinners that they are. Um, So when they sin, I want to be quick to extend grace to them. Just as I need to trust in the work of Christ on my behalf, I want to trust in that for them as well. Um, My role as a parent is not to discipline the sin out of my children. Or husband. Or husband, yes, yes. (laughs) It doesn't work. Just making sure. (laughs) Just letting you know. It doesn't work. (laughs) Um, But no, the gospel exists to always be the answer to my sin problem and theirs. And so one of the best things I can do is to remind the kids of their need for Jesus and what he's accomplished on their behalf. Um, but again, this is still a huge area that I need to grow.
0: So those are like household realities, how that plays out with me on a like minutely basis, but also with our kids. Um, that also applies to neighbors mm-hmm. and extended family members mm-hmm. and uh, your oikos, your sphere of influence, the way we see others, but we shouldn't expect them to be perfect. And so, so those realities play out everywhere. Uh, I know I'll personally take as all the grace that you're, you're willing to extend my way. <laughs> um, Robin, last words. You've been very honest and vulnerable here. What are, what are some last words of encouragement to these friends?
1: Well, I like to think of my journey with the Lord. I'm just daily limping along to the feet of Jesus, limping along to the foot of the cross, right? That's where I see Jesus, where I behold him. Um, it is a lot more enjoyable to do that with someone else, um, having a buddy to link arms with and just limp along together. That's what we're here for, right? So I would encourage you, is there someone in an ABF that you're in, in life group? Um, Maybe somebody you're sitting next to today. Maybe somebody that you serve with. Maybe it's your spouse or a neighbor. Let's be a church that limps along together to the feet of Jesus and invites other people to do that with us.
0: Sounds good to me. How about you guys, yeah? I think we, we need to do that. Yeah, Robin, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is definitely not natural for her. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's been a fun process to prepare this and hear your heart expressed this morning. As uh, Robin was preparing for this time today, she came across a, a quote by one of our favorite authors. His name is Jerry Bridges. It's in a book called The Discipline of Grace. And Bridges says this, he says, The pursuit of holiness must be motivated by an ever-increasing understanding of the grace of God, else it becomes oppressive and joyless. You guys catch that? The pursuit of holiness must be motivated by an ever-increasing understanding of the grace of God, else it can become oppressive and joyless. That is a, a pretty uh, s- strong reminder to me that it's not about my things to earn holiness. It's his grace. You know, the, the reality is, is we all, in some form or fashion, are leaning on our own understanding. What Bridges is alluding to here in this quote is that holiness comes from an ever-increasing trust in our creator. It's not leaning on our own performance. Church, don't try to change yourself. It's not your job. It's not our job to sculpt ourselves into robust, Christ-like models. I, I would say, if you're trying to do that, you're probably a bad sculptor because our creator is the only one who can sculpt. As Robin mentioned a minute ago, allow his spirit, allow his word, and allow his body to be the ones that that take part in the sculpting. I hope you've heard over the past few weeks that it's okay to not be okay. I hope you've heard that it's okay to not be perfect. Don't feel the need to pretend and perform for God, for me. <laughs> Please don't pretend and perform for me or for others in this body. When, when you do that, you're basically saying that his sacrifice on the cross was not sufficient for that sin that you're hiding. So I would encourage you to not pretend and perform. But then on the flip side, don't be surprised, shocked, or afraid when someone else isn't perfect either. Because just as you're not perfect, neither is the person sitting next to you. No amens for husbands there. Our goal isn't perfection. It's his glory. And he is made big when we admit our failures and we trust in his son, Jesus Christ. So in all the things that we do, the Bible study, the church attendance, the memorization, keep doing them. Don't stop doing these things, but check your heart and ask yourself, why? Why are you doing them? Just do them not to earn something from God or others, but do them to behold him, to know him. So Robin, would you pray with me mm-hmm. as we close out this service? Definitely. Father God,
1: we just confess um, we are quick to drift away from our hope in the gospel, often without even recognizing it or meaning to. We drift away from our hope in you and you alone, and we start resting on our own performance. Um, God, thank you that that's not the way it's intended to be at all. God, sometimes we minimize the importance of what Jesus has done on our behalf in our daily lives, and we lean on our own understanding. God, thank you that it's you that does the work in our hearts to know you, to trust you, to love you more. God, we need you. We need you to help us see anew your grace to us in the gospel, to help us see the depths of our sin that you've forgiven, Would we be transformed by your grace to reflect you in how we love and forgive others around us? And God, would you give us a love and gratitude to you that's so powerful that following you you becomes our greatest joy and delight.
0: Father, thank you for being the one who changes us. Father, we realize you are the, the creator, the author. You're also the sculptor. And we're each on a journey, hopefully being sculpted into the image of your son, Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We pray that you would continue to do that, and we pray that you would uh, get the glory as it happens. So, Lord, we're all on a, a change process. Continue to change us, to be formed a little bit more today into the image of your son, Jesus. God, we, we love you, and we behold you. We need you and are grateful for the fact that you are both the lamb and the lion, and that we can be in relationship with you. So Father, thanks for this time this morning. We love you.
2: stand. Behold our great Savior together. He who was before there was light, walked across the pages of time. He who made every living thing, behold him. He who heard humanity's cry, left his throne to wake as a child. He became like the least of us. Behold me, Jesus, Son of
0: Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for joining us these last 10 weeks of a a sermon series as we looked at story. I would encourage you to continue to, to consider your story because it's significant. Your Father, your Heavenly Father, the Creator, the Author of all things delights in you because of His Son, Jesus. Rest in that today. Today, let's like to end by just reminding you from uh, Proverbs 3. LEFC, this Sunday, this Memorial Day weekend, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I hope to see you next Sunday. We will not be here We'll be at the park, and the service begins at 10.30. So please give yourself a little bit of time to make sure you can get there and find a seat. You might want to bring um, kind of a lawn chair to sit in. We're excited to worship with you again next week. I hope you have a great day today, delighting in the one who delights in you. If you'd like to talk to Robin and I, uh, or anyone, we would love to just interact with you today. We've got some friends in the encounter room who would love to hear your story, and and come alongside and pray with you through that. So we love you guys. Have a great weekend.